Hello and welcome back to the Sportingly Average podcast, episode four, David versus Goliath. You're joined by me, your host, Phil, and as always, my two co-hosts, Jupp and Reese. Uh, good evening, Jupp. How are you? How are you doing? How's your week been? Hi, chaps. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, how are you guys? I'm, I'm, I'm well, thanks. Reese. how are you? You're very smart today. I'm mean, enjoying two weeks on the bounce of you wearing a shirt to the podcast. I mean, you are, you and Juppie are both technically wearing shirts. I would point out to the viewers at home, it's not the viewers at home, the listeners at home. It's not just me faced with two topless shirtless men. people. Yeah, very true. Shirtless people is what I should have gone with. I'm good, thanks, Phil. Bringing some much needed class to this to proceedings as Jupp loudly perfectly. <laughs> It's a really small beer, Juppie. Did you not want to buy a big one? I can't chat to you too sober on a Wednesday night. <laughs> well, he's, been, oh, he's been practicing that. He's been practicing that for weeks. He wrote that with line that down word for word. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, I do actually have a bit of a surprise for Jupp and Reese that I haven't really oh, yeah. warned them about for this week. Uh, a potential new feature to the podcast that I thought I'd bring in. Uh, and that is, yeah. Uh, and that is a weekly quiz on uh, oh, no. the uh, topical <laughs> sports. And we're going to keep a running tally of scores. And I don't know, if, if we might do... What's the punishment? Yeah, we're, what, we're, what, yeah we'll do yeah. like first to, I don't know, I can't decide. 50 right answers, oh. we'll do five a week. Just to 50 right 50. answers? Yeah, well, we're you think I'm doing 10 more yeah, of these? We're going to do like 100 <laughs> episodes, obviously. So we're going to have to... I'll pick the number. Whoever gets that number first can pick a forfeit for the other one. Um, yeah, so going straight into it. I hate uh, this instantly. Quiz question number one. Uh, no, this is a slightly old uh, topical uh, quiz. It's from the end of July. Uh, because Can something old be topical? Because <laughs> no news outlet does their weekly sports quiz during August, it turns out. Um, but it's still topical enough. Anyway, question. Oh, so you've not created your own, top, own, your no. own topical quiz. You've just stolen someone else's. Stolen. Is it like the BBC? No. I'm not going to tell you who it is because then you'll obviously cheat next time. This budget podcast just became even more budget. Yeah. But anyway, right. Question one. <laughs> uh, Serena Weigman has taken England to the semi-finals slash winning uh, the Women's Euros. Weigman won the previous Euro Championship in 2017 while managing which team? You do actually get multiple choice. So it is either A, Norway, B, Netherlands, C, Germany, or D, Belgium. You're going to have to obviously be honest with your answers, but A, Norway, B, Netherlands, C, Germany, D, Belgium. I definitely, sorry, shoot. I definitely know this because it was literally one of the things I looked up a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So note no yeah. your answer down. We'll do all five and then get your answers. Oh, hang on. Let me get pen. Uh, Just use your phone, Juppie. Question two. Uh, no, that's a safe locked place so I don't fat finger the bloody meme soundboard <laughs> again. Question two. Shelly Ann Fraser-Price won silver in the women's 200 metres at the World Championships. Um, she, however, did not win her semi-final. What held her back? Did she trip at the end of the race and fall over the line? Was she distracted by a bee as the starting pistol fired? <laughs> did she have to fix her wig midway through the race? Or did she stand on her lace out of the blocks and have a terrible start? 
uh, I'd like to take this opportunity, by the way, with the with the B, um, with the B little comment there, uh, just to say, don't watch Man vs. B on Netflix. It's uh, it's terrible. <laughs> Noted. I hadn't planned to, but um, right. Question three: The footballer Leandro Fernandez was carried off on a stretcher during a match between Independiente and Racing Club in Argentina this week. How did he pick up his injury? A, he ran into the flagpole by the touchline while taking a corner. B, he wore his boots on the wrong feet and twisted his ankle. C, he was struck by a fish thrown from the crowd. (laughs) Or or D, he tripped over the referee's outstretched foot and broke his leg. So that's question three. Carry on South American football. Yeah. Uh, I'm, just, I'm gonna go fish in that Question one, four: it has to be. It's obviously fish. Jonas Vingegaard looks set to clinch his first Tour de France title this weekend, and did in fact do so. Where is he from? <laughs> A. Finland. B. Belgium. C. Argentina. Or D. Denmark. A. Finland. B. Belgium. C. Argentina. D. Denmark. Oh, I hate this. And the fifth and final question: Jamie Allen signed a new contract with the Giants' Halifax Town a few weeks ago. But why will he not be available for their first league match of the season? A, he got married in Vegas this week and has gone on honeymoon. B, he's gone on Love Island. C, he's running to be elected mayor of Halifax. Or D, he picked up an injury whilst playing cricket for Yorkshire under-19s. Cricket? In New Yorkshire, don't be daft. Right. That's from a, a classic Mitchell and Webb sketch. <laughs> so, question one, anyone brave enough? So, uh, I, I it's, have seen two for me. Is she is she from Belgium or is she from the Netherlands? I believe she's Dutch. And I, I was tied between Netherlands and uh, Norway, because that's where, what's the name, Ada Hegerberg plays for what did you go for what did you settle on i've written i've written netherlands it is indeed the netherlands b uh question two shelly ann fraser price does anyone know this uh i've gone with lace out the blocks but that's a complete guess i went on the trip to the very end i think you said number a uh number it might be the wig <laughs> it was letter c she had to fix her wig midway through the race oh actually i think i saw that clip uh oh, three the uh injury to the argentine fish. footballer it's got he, uh, to be the fish. Be the like fish. A, like he a was struck fish by a fish from the crowd. Yes. <laughs> Come on. What kind that of fish? Is... Out of interest? Uh, it doesn't say which fish, but it does say replay showed there was very little contact between Fernandez and the fish. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Made the most of it. Yeah. What's the What's the uh, biggest fish you reckon you could you could take to the face and, and not fall over? Jump. I reckon you could. I reckon a, a cod. I could. I reckon you take massive. a fairly decent-sized salmon. Yeah, but I don't think you'd get. There's, there's only one way to. Find one way to test this. Yeah. Let's test this. Question uh, I mean, four: this. Cycling. Anyone know where he's from? Uh, it's it is Denmark. I said Denmark or Belgium, it so is, I said Denmark. Yeah. It is Denmark. And then 
Last question, the Halifax Town footballer, Jamie Allen. Why did he not play the first league game of the season? I actually know this one. Yeah. I went with uh, cricket. Nah, if, well, so there's definitely a footballer who went on Love Island and to the displeasure Jamie of his Allen. club. It was Jamie Allen. He, he also mm. lasted like a week or something. It was like six or seven days. I think he did that Castlemore side filler thing. I don't really know. I very much was. Have, a... have you heard three people trying to pretend they don't watch Love Island? Well, just wait for the next couple of minutes. <laughs> right, how do we do, fellas? Jup, what'd you get? I got a massive two. Reese, I got four. Nice, Collins, Fish, Denmark. Early lead. I'll make Love this. What, what a great sit down, Jeppers. Well done. This is concerning because there's no detailed punishment. We'll come up with one. Or, viewers, if you want to pick the punishment, <laughs> get in touch <laughs> on our Twitter Jesus handle, AVG, or email. The idiots that are listening are going to massively <laughs> mug us off here. <laughs> exactly. Right. Insert podcast proper. So, stats of the week. Um, I'll go through mine first as it's fairly brief and mainly it's just to be mean to Manchester United. Um, but I've done a little mini dive into their truly woeful start to the season. Um, so for the first time since 1992, um, United have finished uh, as last placed uh, August 13th as the last placed side in the Premier League. So they are currently bottom. Um, Brentford uh, handed Manchester United their seventh straight away league defeat, um, a feat they haven't done since 1936, losing seven on the bounce away. Um, and this is the, I think, arguably the most interesting, straight worrying one for United fans is that Ten Hag is now the first manager since 1921 to lose their opening two matches in charge. The last one was John Chapman. And that season, um, United were actually relegated from the uh, top league in, in England. Um, and just as a bit of a comparison for the actual weekend where Brentford um, absolutely smashed United 4-0. Oh, um, right. Jeez. Simmer down. There, uh, uh, Apologies to the good people of Manchester. Brentford's uh, starting eleven cost £55 million. And United's was four hundred and twenty-four million. Um, so did that disgusting. include um, Ericsson? Yeah, Ericsson yeah. started. Um, yeah, but he went on the three. So yeah. was that is his total even in that? Exactly. Uh, and then, so no side has conceded more goals away from home in the Premier League in twenty twenty-two than United, which is again just astounding for a club of their kind of history, wealth, etc. Um, but on the plus well, side, the, the... they play Liverpool next, so things can only get better <laughs> for them. But they don't play Darwin Nunez, who's been who was sent off, given a straight red for headbutting. Yeah, I've watched a compilation of basically just the Anderson Nunez duel. It's about a two and a half minute clip, and Anderson is so good at winding him up the whole way through the game. You can just see it happening, and then he just completely loses it and nuts him. It was just a master yeah, class mask, on. Isn't it? Just, I think we watched the same. Clip. Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of people who know me who are listening to this will know that I'm a I'm a big time pugilist. I love a fight, love a brawl. I'll throw hands, man. You want to throw hands? Put them up. <laughs> but I never never get the appeal of 
headbutting someone else as like a means of of of, of fisticuffs. It just seems a little bit counterproductive. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I can't say I'm going around on a either the hockey pitch or a drunken Saturday night nutting people. I must say, not not deliberately. Yeah, Save it for Wednesday nights. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah so... it's fine because um, Elon Musk is going to buy Manchester United. So, and all yeah, I saw him. He tweeted that today, didn't he? Who? Sorry, Elon Juppie? Musk. I was asking he... Juppy. Ah, is that how you say his name? Ellen. I'm still going to call him Ellen. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that that nice has spent so much money. It's almost like a billion pounds or something. I mean, they're back for. Maguire was 80 million. Most expensive defender, yeah. Luke Shaw was quite a lot. Varane wasn't even playing and was 50, yeah, 60. Something like that. One Basaka. Maguire, 80 yeah. million. It just shows everyone sitting at home that money can't buy you happiness. So just think about that. Or wins in the Premier League. Well, the I mean, that, same, same thing for me. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so not a great Good start to I'm now. I think, I can't remember which betting provider it was, but I think somewhere um, is currently offering better odds on them being relegated than in the top three. So they're currently really they're currently more likely to finish in bottom three than top three, according to the bookies. I mean, they finished, what, fifth last yeah. season? I mean, there is zero and... chance they're a top three team. Absolutely zero. Yeah, so Liverpool and no. City, obviously top two. And then... Third is somewhat up for grabs, probably Spurs, Chelsea. But I imagine more Chelsea. Yeah, but United are so far away from that, and it doesn't look like it's going to change. It just seems quite a toxic club at the minute. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about um, how they weren't investing in the players that the caretaker manager was trying to buy. He just suggested five players. They're all class. One was Harlem. They said they must buy them immediately, and then they ignored all of it. And that was the Harlan's went to City um, and looks to be in, well, going to be a class this season, I think. I, I, he's my pick for Golden Boot. But yeah. Before we delve Ooh, into... Very, very daring of you. I can't believe you've gone out on a limb. You know, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure risk player, taker, Reese. I'm sure risk taker, all right? Don't, don't risk call taker. me a other, other fun bookie fact about United. I can't remember who it was, but I've quickly looked it up. Paddy Power, I think, have already paid out on bets of Eric Ten Hag being the first Premier League manager sacked. Oh, wow. And if really? Paddy Power want to sponsor us, please get in touch. Uh, we'll continue to do <laughs> shout-outs on uh, your betting odds. <laughs> Should we still do product? Should we just do product placement? Until, yeah, until someone sponsors us. <laughs> I'll tell you what, guys, just give me a couple of seconds while I have a drink of this lovely ice-cold Evian water, carefully filtered from the from the fountains and the springs of Switzerland. Just, I just find it so refreshing. So you thought of all the products, you thought, yeah, I want some free Evian water. Yeah. You didn't think any bigger than that. You weren't thinking Jumping, like, am I a model it, Lamborghini? Hey. I don't know. A model Lamborghini? Actually, my mind went to fried chicken, to be honest. That was the first thing that went to my head. Aim low. It's a host, it's a host band. Band. Yeah. Exactly. So there's, there's a hose bike band coming in, Chief. You'll be, I'll be laughing with my stocks of Evian. Yeah, but that's uh, yeah, that's my style of the week. Just United. Hopefully, they do turn around. It isn't always fun to laugh at them, but it is quite enjoyable at the moment. I think. Um, but Agreed. on, um, we briefly mentioned that Nunes Anderson uh, debacle, and that I think goes quite nicely into Jup's style of the week as a result of. Uh, 
some of the messages Anderson, the Crystal Palace defender, received after uh, after the Liverpool game. Jeffy? Yeah, so um, I didn't look at that explicitly, but I've had a, a weird sort of deep dive rabbit hole into the abuse that footballers get on social media. Um, as some of the sort of the research has been published recently, and I, you know, with the start of the Premier League, it got me thinking about it again. Um, and so, I've this is probably up for grabs for the most statistically driven statistic yet on this podcast. I've read um, a paper released by the Alan Turing Institute and re- reviewed the results of a YouGov survey survey to look at the results of you know um, what exactly what exact abuse footballers get online. Um, and the, the two, two studies massively differ in both their approach and results. So um, just bear with me for, for about 20 seconds whilst I explain the difference in both and I'll go into the results. Um, the Engineering Institute created a machine learning model, which is there to identify abusive, critical sort of tw- tweets um, within the sort of a set sample size. And then YouGov quiz individuals that are keen on football and ask them about racism topics. So... The machine model approach created by Alan Turing Institutes analyzed 2.3 million tweets. And do you want to guess it from a percentage how many of those tweets were abusive? I guess where, where you go from just negative to abuse, because if it's just, oh, Maguire is terrible, does that class as abuse, I guess? So that, okay, so it did um, positive, sort of neutral, um, I believe one was critical, then it was abusive. So there's four categories. Okay, four so it's not just generally negative because that would fall under critical. Yeah. Um, I reckon it's horribly high. I reckon it's like 40% or something ridiculous. Okay. I'd, I'd say even, I was thinking over half. I'd say something like 60. I just think, okay. when, how often do you see like good re- you know, good reviews of things? I don't know. Because I think, I suppose, what the, where this is going is I reckon more people tweet negative like uh, not negative sorry um abusive things then then don't but what's that that's the sort of biological thing where we're we're conditioned to remember bad experiences over good ones for survival there's no point me remembering that that bush is tasty and delicious when i could remember that that bush will kill me (laughs) so it's probably probably lower than that good comparison yeah good comparison um okay so the other half of the research in that was to do a sort of a manual review into a certain number of tweets. So they reviewed something like 3,000 with the team of them, and they found that 55% were positive from that manual review of select tweet, uh, random tweets from that group of 2.3 million. The machine mo- machine learning model um, analyzed that 2.6% of tweets were actually abusive. So about 60,000 in total out of 2.3 million. That's way lower than I was expecting. Shockingly less than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and just to run through some other stats here. So out of 2.3 million tweets, um, only 0.2%, so about 5,000 of them, did contain a reference to some form of identity, e.g. religion, race, gender, sexuality, that kind of thing, which is, I thought it'd be a huge number, um, if I'm being really honest. And I was surprised at it. Where it gets slightly worse, or well, I'm not saying that that was good, but uh, <laughs> slightly more of what we were all thinking is that there were 12 players that received 50% of all the abuse on Twitter. That I can believe. Ooh. Yeah, 12 players. I reckon um, I can guess a few similar factors. Yeah, go on. Uh, were they 
uh, from black and minority ethnic backgrounds? Um, not always. So that didn't in this in this study, the model didn't really pick that that many tweets up about that kind of stuff. So the people that the players that received most of the tweets were mostly Manchester United players. Um, Ronaldo, Maguire got loads of them. Um, something like uh, Maguire got like five percent of all of his tweets were sorry, fourteen percent of all of his tweets were abuse aimed at him that he received, and Ronaldo's something like two percent of all the tweets aimed at him were abusive because everyone else is just sending him pictures of goats, I imagine. <laughs> um, and then what's what's really bizarre, the strangest thing that I found out of this was that out of all the people that are writing Twitter, writing tweets on Twitter, um, 82% of these accounts write one tweet and then, I don't know, pop off to commit some other crime and be a somewhere else. They don't, they don't <laughs> like, send out multiple tweets, just one, and they, they stop doing it which I found really, really bizarre. I thought it'd be just like a constant stream from loads of uh, like individual accounts of just general abuse. Um, oh, interesting. So just, what, just one hmm. gets out, almost gets it out of the system? It looks like it, yeah. Genu- genuinely looks and like it. And that's not them like becoming, getting a ban or anything. It's just they do one tweet and then that's that. Does that mean that like, what, ah, bots or something? So I can or... get to that later. Right, so Twitter... <sighs> I didn't want to go into this, but Twitter have not done a good enough job with this at all. And that have tried know, to, yeah. that, they're trying to like approach the problem without approaching the problem. So they put out a blog post saying something like, oh, you know, we blocked uh, 1,600 tweets in during the Euros, Euros final last year, the men's one, um, and we suspended some accounts. It didn't specify how many accounts. And so all of us here are thinking, the easiest way realistically to fix this is to have actual identities associated to Twitter accounts, which means um, email address and then maybe your passport number or I know your driving license number or your parents' name or your job or something that identifies you to that account, right? But then Twitter very cheekily said that 99% of the suspended accounts, which they did not number how many accounts have been suspended, were, were personally, personally identifiable people. So they're using their names and they go on Twitter and then just say something said something mm. awful and then buggered off. Um, so, but I mean, Twitter's, it's worth mentioning, it's Twitter's value as a company is dependent on how many users they have. So they have no intention yeah. of really trying to block that, like to stop this kind of thing. So it's always going to be a thing with Twitter. And it's also worth mentioning that all of the tweets have already supposedly gone through all of the bots and the rules that Twitter have created to stop these tweets being a thing in the first place. So this is these have all gone part, got through the algorithm. So absolutely, Twitter not doing enough. But I mean, we can talk about that another time. Probably, probably not. The, got a place on the sports stat podcast. Yeah, no, it? it doesn't. No, I didn't want to talk about it. But um, it let's up. do that on our social media. <laughs> Are they doing enough podcast? Um, but yeah. So just very quickly, whilst whilst I have you. Um, so YouGov, on the other hand, did some. The, the results don't match up to what was found with the machine with the machine learning model. Um, YouGov basically found that forty percent of ethnic minority fans had seen racial abuse online. Fifty percent, thirty percent of people, ethnic minority fans, sorry, have seen it on multiple occasions. Um, and them themselves have also been the subject of abuse, of racist, racist, racial abuse. Um, just for the fact for discussing football on social media. So they might, might tweet 
you know, Gary can say, oh, you know, I should disagree with your comments about so-and-so. I actually thought he's played well and they'll get, re- they'll get abused for it, basically. Stuff like that. Those numbers um, sadly ring kind of more you'd expect, right, from just seeing yeah, various 100%. things. And not good. Um, and then just, just lastly, so you're five times more likely to receive racist abuse if you're ethnic minority versus being white. Um, and only 5% of white fans have received racial abuse online. So, yeah, some fairly shocking stuff. I'd have thought it'd be higher I'm surprised it's that low. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon... Hang on, for white fans? Five times more likely. Oh, I see, yeah. I I wonder to what extent it's so sort of normalised by those sort of non-white fans that, that they just sort of whilst it could te- technically be viewed as abusive, they just sort of oh, I have to put up with this kind of stuff every day. Microaggressions. Yeah. That's really shocking though, isn't it? It's just become a way of life. So therefore I'm just, I'm accustomed oh. to it. It just turns out people are the worst. People in yeah. general are the worst. No, it's true. But uh, yeah, anyway, that was there. Uh, I mean, I could have, I mean, there's so many statistics that came out of this. It was unbelievable. But um, yeah, that was uh my you of the leave week. us with the, sad, the optimistic but... ones before we uh... oh actually I do have an optimistic one I just remembered it so it turns out they asked um, 500 odd England fans and 60% believe in taking the knee which is somewhat positive way to end things despite statistically they're more likely to also go home and then racially abuse someone on social media <laughs> thanks for ending with a positive yeah and to be fair, I reckon of those 40% who don't necessarily believe in taking the knee, there'll probably be a proportion of those who are uh, obviously in favour of the meaning behind it, but just think it's not its not the best way. It's its kind of an empty gesture. Who knows? Quite possibly. Knows? Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Cheers, Jeffy. Interesting, if it's right, a little depressing thinking about football fans mm. and the, the sad the way things almost go hand in hand nowadays, which is a bit depressing, but... Reese, cheer us up with your stat of the week. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough one to follow. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, any, anything's going to seem relatively trite after that. But here we are. Don't select the whole thing. You, 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 you've shown the hidden text there. Unbelievable. So, I was trying to do this as a little, a little uh, quiz for Jappy and Phillips. So, my stat of the week: two thousand five hundred and seventy-three days. Two thousand five hundred seventy-three days. That is the difference in time between Serena Williams's date of birth. Sorry, her tennis debut. What am I talking about? I'm an idiot. Serena Williams's tennis debut on October the 28th, 1995, and Emma Raducanu's date of birth on the 13th of November, 2002. See, I, uh, saw, reason- I saw in your notes when you said, like, 2,573 days, what is the question? I thought this is the... Because I was going through, I was like, that's roughly eight years. That was the only thing I thought. It must be something to do with her debut and her birth. But I was like, because what? She's 40. Assuming she made her debut when she was about 15. That's 25 years ago. Radicano's definitely not 17. So like, Serena's pro debut must have been when she was like, what, 12? Yeah, I think she was, I think she was 14. I think she was 14. That's crazy. And Radicano's younger than I thought. I thought she was early 20s now, but she's still not 20. Jeez. Yeah, Serena Williams was 14, uh, October 1995 at the uh, Bell Challenge in Quebec City. 
lost in the first round of qualifying to world number, to world number 149 in less than an hour and earned $240 in prize money. And yes, if, you've listened, if you're at home and you've just Googled Serena Williams' debut age, that is exactly the first paragraph that it shows you for Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of effort going this week's stat, eh, Reese? So long. Oh, ago, I review though. elsewhere. Just, just I, I review it. I'll do, I'll do proper proper research elsewhere. Just not what I'm trying to remember. As, uh, off the bat, what her age was? Yeah, incredibly long ago. And so this is relevant. Uh, Emma Raducanu has just uh, beaten Serena six four six love. Uh, at some kind of tournament in the States. I want to say Cincinnati, but I'm probably wrong. Um, so 646 love, a bit of a bit of a battering, but this is 40-year-old Serena Williams' second to last event ever. She's on a bit of a farewell tour at the moment, um, and she's retiring after the US Open, which will be starting on the 29th of August. Obviously, Emma Raducanu is the reigning champion of the US Open, and you you go out there, Emma. If you're listening, you go out there, and you, you do your tennis, and you you do us proud. Bring it home again. But do whatever you want. Don't just do it because I'm telling you to. Obviously, you know, do, do whatever you want. <laughs> um, and so, just a good a bit of a bit of a good opportunity just to kind of to pontificate on on some of Serena's achievements over the years. Uh, I imagine we'll we'll discuss her in depth at some kind of future pods, given that there's an absolute wealth of goat of week or something out there. Yeah, something on those lines. So Serena has won 23 Grand Slams, which I think is second most all time. Um, she's won the US Open six times, Australian Open seven, French Open three, and Wimbledon seven. Uh, although her last win was in 2016, um, has been. But, you know, this is that for any has, Open or we for any Grand to... Slam? Okay. Her last Grand Slam win was 2016. Sorry, really? It's um, gone really well. Yeah, it has. I mean, so it may have something to do with the fact that she actually gave birth in in 2017. Um, Obviously, those kind of things can have an impact on other parts of your life. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but she was back, back on the court. Out, she was oh, back on the court in December. Utterly ridiculous. I think there were some serious sort of issues with trying to keep it light. But I think she did have some serious issues with with sort of the pregnancy. So I think it was it's amazing that she was even able to return to professional sport, uh, and certainly that early. Yeah. So yeah, well done, Serena. You're a legend. Looking forward to watching you for the last time at, at the US Open. Pop and, quiz: uh, Who has the most slams? It's 24. It is 24. It is a... uh, What's her name again? It is a woman. Margaret Court? Margaret Court? No. Who's Margaret Court? Is it Margaret Court? No, she was... Not sure. This is great radio. What is it, Phil? I'm pretty sure it's Margaret Court. Well, you, you pull the weird face as if to say no. When I oh, say I don't that. know if you saying that has like put a... me off. Well, what, you, what put you off? Because I did know. I, I thought it was Novatilova. I'm, I'm now. I don't you saying Marjorie Court now it's got me thinking is Marjorie Court for some reason. It's my. It's my. It is Marjorie Court. Yeah. I did. I literally looked at the slam thing. We were just all sort of dancing around the the stats I've looked at with your chat about. Uh, uh, what's sort of Lions coach, Lioness's coach, and this sort of stuff. Wagman. Yeah, it's Marjorie Court. Nice. Nailed it. Thanks, everyone. Good stuff. Well, I feel jo- Joker will end on top. No, hopefully not. I mean, he's on 23 now, right? Oh, yeah, I'm saying hopefully not. Ah, right. I'm saying not saying. I didn't say probably not. I yeah. said hopefully not. Uh, yeah. How old is he? Still 30. 30. 
35? He's the same age as Murray. They're like two weeks apart. But he's a good, we good, really, yeah, good few yeah. years below. Murray. years below Nadal. Murray beat Wawrinka today, didn't he, or yesterday? So, you know, maybe there's a comeback on. No, he's not. Maybe he can overtake Djokovic. He's definitely not back. Yeah, he's not back. Um, nice. Yeah. For hopefully Serena doesn't kind of just get knocked out in the first round. Hope she has a decent little run as uh, the Swan Song farewell tour, etc. But uh, time for the new guard. What are her plans for retirement? Apart from being a mum, obviously. Uh, she, I think, she's got big plans. She's not. I think she's not uh, phrased it as retiring. She's she phrased it as sort her move away from tennis. So she's probably got some cool stuff going on. This feels like a good time to mention that we've got going to have a new co-host on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's not Serena Williams. When we've got not got any, <laughs> she's not going to join the podcast. Oh God, that was. Give me a real shock that did, Phil. I had to turn to my to my bottle of of ten year aged uh, Bol- Bollinger, which I like to enjoy in in moments of of stress or or surprise. It really just calms me down and takes the edge off. Awful. But that's just me. Awful. Right on to the uh, themed uh, stats portion of the podcast. So. As mentioned, this week's uh, title is David versus Goliath. So we've gone away and sort of hunted around our favourite David versus Goliath stories throughout sporting history. Um, I'll kick us off with a rugby union one, um, which hopefully for those familiar enough with the sport will make it immediately obvious um, that I'll be talking about the Japan versus South Africa World Cup match, opening World Cup match at the 2015 uh, World Cup hosted by England and Wales. Um, now, for context, um, going into this World Cup, South Africa were ranked third in the world and Japan 13th, but South Africa are actually the second favourites um at the at the bookies so and it's worth noting for those not particularly familiar with rugby union that whilst that doesn't seem a particularly large gulf in rankings and abilities south africa third japan 13th um rugby union is somewhat unusual in that the top sort of six to eight teams in world rankings are sort of absolutely miles ahead of sort of the next tier um in, in rankings in terms of uh, likely results, just funding, ability of players, uh, etc. It's not sort of applicable to a lot of other sports that we view. So um, you can just look at sort of the Six Nations um, is a perfect example of that, where Italy are the perennial whipping boys. And if they were, if they win even a single match, um, and Italy aren't by any means a bad side, they're probably around ninth in the world, if I had to guess. Um, and, and they sort of, their target is probably to win a single game in each of the six nations. Um, so anyone outside of that sort of top six, seven, eight teams um, really are quite a big step below. Um, so into this World Cup, uh, Japan and South Africa drawn in the same group. It was their opening match. Um, South Africa led 12-10 at one point, um, but it was quite a cagey affair. Um, they then uh, have a three-point lead 
as the playing clock hits 80 minutes, which again, for those unfamiliar in rugby, it's an 80 minute game, but the game only stops when the ball goes out of play after the 80th minute. So you play until there's either a foul or the ball goes out of play. Um, Japan actually win a penalty. Their coach, uh, Eddie Jones at the time, who now coaches England, um, was sort of screaming for them to take a penalty to try and kick three points to tie the game. Um, but Japan and their captain decided, no, you know, we're, ne- we're never going to be in this position again. And in the interview, this is he's, the, the captain actually said this was a sort of thought process, like, there's no point drawing, like, we may as well go for it. Um, they did, in fact, go for it and scored a sideline uh, try in the 80 sort of first minute. The clock had gone red um, to beat South Africa by uh, two points, which was sort of an in- absolutely incredible result. Um, Amazing. Yeah, it really was just sort of, it kind of, the, the whole rugby world froze sort of as, as um, that happened. Um, but just to kind of put a little bit of, um, stats behind just how incredible that win actually is. So Japan hadn't won a single game at the World Cup since 1991, um, at which point three of their squad members in the 2015 World Cup hadn't even been born. Um, <laughs> since that 1991 victory, South Africa have, in fact, won the World Cup twice. Um, so again, Ooh. displays just how good South Africa have been Um, and that South Africa team it's not like that South Africa team was bad they were third in the world second favorite the bookies six of that squad went on to win the World Cup in 2019 they were in that squad as well only six Um, well I went through I I didn't check the replacements of one of the squads I think I checked the 2015 starting lineup against the full squad of the 2019 World Cup Basically, just shows how good they are. Yeah, strength in depth. And um, uh, so, yeah, so South Africa were obviously huge favourites going in, and and yeah, lost thirty four thirty two to uh, the minnows of of Japanese rugby. Um, and again, sort of that may have kick started South Africa's World Cup a little bit. So they went on to narrowly miss out on the final, losing to the eventual winners, New Zealand, twenty eighteen in the semi-final and it was arguably the match of the tournament. It was a fantastic game that. Um, and that 34 points they conceded to Japan was um, more than half of the 56 points they conceded across all four of their group games. So in the other three group games, they only conceded uh, 22 points and scored 120, 142 in the remaining three games. Um Absolutely so, smashed it. So yeah. What's that an average of like 40, 42, 7 or something? Uh, it's about 57, yeah. 58 as a result. Um, they were in their other three group games, um, and which included Scotland, who are no schmucks themselves. Um, so, yeah, that's my favourite, David Garth, just how not only how sort of surprising it was in terms of the abilities, obviously it has to be David versus Garth, but and the manner of which they won, kind of really thinking, yeah, let's go for this. Sod the draw. We want to win. It's 80th minute, but we're going to go for the try. Try after yeah. the 80th minute, which is always quite special in rugby. Um, and just watch them go absolutely potty after the game, just going ballistic. Um, it's spectacular game, And incidentally, um, reading into this, it's actually 
Japan were debating. So they at that time they had already secured the fact that they would host the 2019 World Cup, but there was sort of apparently an internal debate in Japan whether or not it was worth the infrastructure spend. And apparently by beating South Africa, that kind of 100% cemented, not, yeah. yeah, let's go for it. Really? So there were discussions of moving it to South Africa um, and they didn't want to do the, uh, put, commit all the infrastructure spend. <laughs> and then they beat South Africa and it's like, ah, okay, we'll keep it. Cheers. Super. Fine. Um, Reach on the back of the couch. Yeah. Find those pennies for the stadiums. And it was an amazing World Cup in 2019 that they hosted. So all's well that ends well. See, that, that's... That's also that's an example of that proper like David's sort of strategy, I suppose, in the sporting game. So if you're if you're on an equivalent level, I suppose you can you kick the penalties, you you compete like a normal way, you try and like reduce the variance. Whereas obviously Japan being huge underdogs, a lot you're not gonna win it ninety percent of the time. So you may as well sort of absolutely swing for the fences and try and get those like big chunk yeah. chunk plays, they call them. Yeah. To no. to make sure you yeah, get down get in the corner. Yeah. Get the trick. I mean, all try. Let's be honest, though. It was, I mean, it was a fantastic game. And it was great to watch. I'm a bit being like, oh my god, I can't wait to risk this. This tournament's gonna be class. But if you think about it, what they were risking, probably the dumbest thing they could have done. Genuinely, well, because no, a draw for them does nothing. They knew they Take... weren't going to get out of the group. A draw for them does absolutely nothing. Who else in the group? Uh, Scotland, South Africa. I can't remember the bottom two. Canada, maybe. Samoa Sam- Sam- and the United States. Samoa and USA. Sorry. I... I mean, they had a chance taking a draw against a guaranteed uh, top of the table, and then beating the other three teams. Yeah, or two teams. Sorry. Oh yeah, absolutely should have. I mean, yeah, should have taken the, the, the points in the draw. And given that <laughs> they hadn't Jeffy, they hadn't Jeffy. won a game at the World Cup for twenty four years. Oh, true. Yeah, true. They can't like. Oh, take the draw. We'll win the rest of the games, lad. I'm just th- <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about Eddie Jones rugby, and that's just not in the playbook, is it? I can imagine he was. Probably ecstatic, yeah. but mad afterwards. Oh, he was, he, was, he, was screaming, he was screaming for them to kick the points. Oh, go for the, the points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, was, he was going for them to take the draw. Which just shows how terrible could a new, coach just, Could this be a new, a new thing every week? Juppy takes a classic romantic moment in sporting history and explains <laughs> why it was rubbish and they, sh- and they shouldn't have done yeah. it. Oh, I mean, yeah, so. yeah, I mean, as a J- J- Japanese fan, I would have gone, oh, yeah, I've been Ballistic. sick through nervous, quite literally. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my favourite, David Glass. Great moment. But my second favourite moment of that World Cup, uh, favourite being England failing to qualify in being knocked out. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Yeah, kick to the side. Always go for it. Where were where were Wales? We came second in the group to Australia and then lost up to a seventy sixth minute try by South Africa in the quarter final. Okay. And I was at that game and it was really sad. I think we were down to fourteen men. Their scrum up, picked up at the back of a mall and ran over uncontested to touch it down in about the 78th minute. Not that I remember it and I'm bitter. <laughs> every night, every night it runs through. And for, the, for those of you at home listening away happily or maybe on the commute, looking up at the, the advertising around the top that you've stared at for the last 20 minutes, there's nothing new there. You know all the train <laughs> destinations. There's nothing new. Phil is wearing his Wales top. Fresh, for fresh well, sort of. £4.50, wasn't it? Uh, £3.50? It, was, it was £7.50 because it's the last year's uh, well stop, but it's perfectly, it's perfectly nice. Nice fit. Shout, nice. Out to, uh, shout out to Gareth Cadman there for the tip. Yeah. Cheers, Gaz. Cheers, Gaz. 
and cheers Reese for then passing on to me. But anyway, enough of rugby and Wales. Well done, Japan. Great rugby moment. Uh, Jup, hit us with your favourite David versus Goliath underdog sporting moment. Yeah, so lots of options for this this week. Um, I was initially on a very rogue path of comparing heart attacks to footballers, but decided against it because I discovered... I mean, if you came in and your first stat was about racist abuse on Twitter... <laughs> Racism and heart attacks, heart. kind of yeah. your cheery podcast with Alex The Jones. real good stuff, yeah. <laughs> um, but then I discovered something else about a, a, an athlete. Let's call him an athlete because he is an athlete. That uh, I really enjoy watching <laughs> and learning more about. Um, so let me take you back to 1991, to Indiana. Before I'd been born, Greece was, I don't know, 14 and a half, maybe 15. Phil was just, you know, that nightmare of a child every parent uh, doesn't want to have. I'm younger than and, you. Uh, <laughs> I know, but yeah, you get it. Um, anyway, this... Uh, I hate both of you. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... Uh, we're in Indiana, 1991. Um, a fine gentleman, complete with beer belly, blonde, be- bleached blonde mullets, and outrageously jazzy trousers and glittering jewellery pulls up in his car um, to the PGA Championship at Crooked Golf Course. Um, I'm talking about John Daly, or as one of his nicknames is, Long John Big John, which I love. I think that's a cracking, a cracking nickname. Um, known for rock up to tournaments, usually hungover or sometimes even drunk. Um, and nowadays he hasn't really changed either. He just looks more like Santa with a cracking white beard um, and even more beach blonde hair, but less of the mullet. Um, so he was this aspiring young athlete and he's still an athlete with a beer belly. I won't have any, anything against him. Um, Spectacular. Have you just Googled what he looks like? Yeah, actually, this, oh, this it's picture, it's treat, the picture of it? him... It's a picture of him. Um, this popped up somewhat on Twitter this week. Opposite Tiger Woods, he's yeah. there obviously in sort of full, full <laughs> pro, and he's in some sort of pink, pink floral jazzy trousers, leaning on his putter, puffing on the cigarette. It's it is something. Oh yeah, but anyway, so he was this aspiring athlete from the University of Arkansas, um, and only discovered he was playing in the event the day before. Um, he'd driven through the nights, um, you know, on a strange evening where he wasn't in the boozer where he on his tally of wives, which there are four or five, I believe. Um, so he wasn't supposed to be there because he was uh, not good enough to qualify for the events. And he was the ninth alternate pick for the initial 150 golfers that were supposed to play. Um, and that basically means if they've got a backup of players that are can join the tour, if people pull out. So for example, um, someone brought up because their wife has given birth and stuff like that. So he was the ninth selection. So nine, eight of the people had to say, no, I can't make it. And then young Santa Claus pulls up on the day <laughs> to play some golf. Maybe it was the um, same eight people who missed the women's Euro final. <laughs> quite possibly, yeah. Um, anyway, so there's 150 professionals and then John Daly the rookie rock up um, to start to play the rounds before the cut. Um, and just very quickly on the format of got of the, of these, um, of these events, you play four rounds of the same course um, over one a day for four days. Um, you play two rounds and then there's a cut. So essentially it's treated as almost like a semi-final followed by a final. And if you are in the top 70 players, then you make it through to the, the final, which is the last two rounds. 
but you need to have four good rounds of golf to be in with a chance of winning or within the chance of some decent prize money. So anyway, so during the tournament, the spectators hit by lightning. So, you know, <laughs> pathetic fantasy in terms of something magical may be happening at this event. Also, sorry, Jeff, just it's worth noting this. The P, so PGA Championship is one of the four majors. So it's like a Wimbledon or a uh, like French Open. It's one of the four biggies. What, what else is it like? US Open? Yeah. The, the Australian Open? Yeah, good. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for that. They're the four tennis ones. Shut up, Bruce. But yeah, one of the four like biggest <laughs> tournaments. It's the way you did one was fine, and then you went to... I realised that none Australia of the other ones have interesting names. So as soon as I finished with Wimbledon, I was like, oh, no, I've committed here. <laughs> you got some weird chat, haven't you, Reese? Just yeah. It's been a long day for you. Anyway. Um, right, so... Um, I keep it brief, but basically he just starts smashing it. He, you know, he was immediate fan favorite because he has this idea of um, just grip it and rip it. I think his, his style was called, which I, which I love. And um, he's got a massive <laughs> swing. He just hits the ball really, really, really far. Uh, in some ways, yes, we're probably the beer belly and you know the enjoying beers of the course. Um, but the rest of it, no, I can't. I can't do the wives and the gambling. That's uh, not up my street. Um, but anyway, so he goes on to win. But before, obviously, you know, you know he wins the Open. Um, do you want to guess in his final round how many eagles, birdies, bogeys, and double bogeys he had? Uh, in the final round, so, I would say it has so to be... So 18 holes. I would say it has to be no doubles. A bogey-free card is really difficult. So I'm going to say one bogey, four birdies, two eagles. So I reckon he got about a seven under round. Okay. Reese? Uh two eagles, three birdies. No, five birdies. Two bogeys. So not only did he win the tournaments, on the seventeenth hole of the final round of day four, so he's in with in with a shout. He hits a double bogey on the seventeenth hole. Oh wow! Wow! At that point, you'd be you'd be concerned, wouldn't you? Yeah, he hit a double bogey. But anyway, in, so in that final round, he hit zero eagles, four birdies, one bogey, and one double bogey. So he won with a one under Sunday. That is that's got to be was... one of the worst Sunday winning scores. That's mad. So overall, he was twelve under. Um, he started out being three under, moved to eight under, to eleven under, to twelve under. So he even improved his his um, what was second? one shot. I'm assuming N- Tiger nine under. Nope, uh, Tiger wasn't around. I don't think 1991. Don't think he started till 1995. Yeah. I think he won the am- maybe won the US Amateur in 91. Um, second, Tom, let me let me, let me get this, sorry, let, me, let me get this straight. So Tiger Woods, who was forty six now, wasn't around at the time. But me, who am thirty two, <laughs> was fourteen at the time. Fourteen and a half, yeah. I believe it was. Yeah, <laughs> right. That, that is true. We should just yeah, just got to use some more moisturizer, <laughs> I think, mate. Yeah. Um, second place was someone called Bruce Leitsky. Um, didn't didn't recognise actually didn't recognise any of the names that were also competing in the tour apart from Nick Faldo legend um, uh, so, so Nick if you're listening Sir Nick to you too no no no, no, no. not I said, not, I said Sir Nick no no hang on chaps no no 
if we're choosing between Senek and John Daly, we're having bloody John Daly. <laughs> we have way more fun with John Daly. But anyway, so the last last fun stat about John Daly. Um, he's the only man from either Europe or the United States to win two major championships and not be selected for the Ryder Cup. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, actually, um, problems, I can probably see, like, n- not necessarily wanting him in the team. Just difficult to play with, yeah. yeah. That is a good one. I've got... Uh, there are two things I know about John Daly that haven't been mentioned. Um, the first is he has a particularly unusual swing. He's got quite a long, slow uh, take back. And the reason for that is because when he was learning to play golf, he was playing with his dad's clubs that were too heavy for him. And that was basically the only way he could manage to do a full swing. And that's just stuck with him his whole life. That that kind really? of, yeah. They, they didn't like try and fix it out in lessons. Nope. <laughs> so that's why he's like swings the club way to how he does. Uh, and secondly, so this ties in with the sort of, gambling, smoking, fat persona that uh, Jupp was putting forward for John Day. Athletes. Athlete. Athletes. Um, yeah. He's been known to sort of, you know, eat and drink some odd things on uh, on the golf course. Um, and I actually heard this on uh, the Rick Shields podcast. Shout out, Rick. We love you. Uh, um, and it was all around uh, this was actually talking about a pro-am that he had uh, John Daly had played in a tournament Um, so Reese, I'm not sure if you know this Jop I know does so I'm going to ask you to guess the number of these uh, items that he consumed in a single round of golf so about four hours Um, cigarettes cigarettes how many do you reckon he smoked Cigarettes. Uh, oh, God. I reckon he's going... For a two-time a championship winner. Yeah. Open so win. how many cigarettes? Yeah. Like 20? I don't know. Okay. How many packs of peanut M&Ms? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, these are very Moorish. And I like to, I love it. Nothing more like sitting at home with the telly on and tucking into a large sharing pack of peanut M&Ms. Um, seven. Uh, how many cans of Diet Coke? Oh, it's gonna be like one every two, one every two holes maximum. So you're gonna nine. nine, and then how many bottles of yeah. water? Uh like two. He's he's had that all in the diet coke, hasn't he? So he, in a single uh, round of eighteen, so around four hours, he's been known to smoke around twenty-one cigarettes, get it, six packs of peanut M and M's, twenty cans of diet coke, what, and zero bottles of water. Well, smart. Yeah, smart. 20 cans. That is... Did you calculate like the calorie content of that? I That's haven't. It basically means every hole he has a can of Dark Coke, a cigarette, and a third of a pack of M&M's. Every hole. I mean, that sounds like a... That's that's the way to go. That's how to play golf. Am I right? We've been doing it wrong, guys. We've been doing it... Not just the swing. We've been doing the, everything else wrong. Yeah. As well. <laughs> but no. That is... That's incredible. Yeah, yeah oh, he's keeping a close eye on, on the rest of his career. Of, he sounds like one to watch. <laughs> one hell of a character, yeah. Yeah. Now, well done, John Daly. PGA Championship mm. winner, 1991. Against all odds. You're invited to the podcast whenever. Big time. Nice. Thank you, John. Enjoyed that. Love a good golf stat. <laughs> now on to one of my pleased. other favourite sports for statistics nba i think this is the first time it's been mentioned well other than bill russell but that was uh, an homage to a single player as opposed to 
some stats. So, Reese, take away your NBA stats. Yeah, we've yeah we've done well in trying to avoid the niche American sports thus far, but they're coming, people. They're coming, and you need More to be NFL. Ready. <laughs> what? Okay, well, if you insist. So, um, my stat, I suppose, the stat at the heart of this is uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers beating the Golden State Warriors. 4-3 in the NBA Finals in the 2015-16 season. So, uh, so two, I think two things. So firstly, for those who don't follow the NBA, um, so the National Basketball Association, it's over there in America, they've got 30-odd teams now, um, and probably did then as well, actually. Uh, so they have an 82-game regular season or sort of just 82 game sort of season when you play a you know, variety of other teams depending on how the, how the schedule goes um, and then after you play that you split up into you have the playoffs which are basically two separate kind of uh, tournament style brackets in the eastern and the western conferences uh, sort of obviously loosely based around um, geographical uh, location but for our all intents and purposes it just needs to be two two separate sides of the draw um, they are seven game series, so best of best of seven, I should say. Um, it obviously being this wonderful way to take all the romance out of of these sort of high variance one game sort of tournament games, and just make sure that no, the most deserving person must win. We can't have like an underdog. God forbid. Exactly. Don't want. Oh god, no. was they Mac? Is it Macclesfield Town or something? Mansfield gets the semis of some kind of cup tournament. Yeah, let's see if we do that in seven games. Exactly. Exactly. So the idea is that almost, you know, you take the the chance of a David, take the opportunity of David out of it. Um, so then you basically have three sort of rounds of these sort of fixtures before the, the very, of the finals, they call it, which is the best team in the East, best team in the West. And so it's a, it's kind of a bit tricky, I suppose, in a way to frame this as a David and Goliath clash when you consider that the Cavaliers and the Warriors played each other in this final sort of series of the season four years in a row. 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. So the Cavaliers winning just once in 2016. And sort of to put the put some context around it almost, sort of set the scene. Again, this is another sort of uh, goat that I imagine we'll get to later. LeBron James is one of these sort of greatest players ever in the NBA scene. He's a, he's a Cleveland kid. He's born in Akron, Ohio. He's one of the most hyped athletes of all time. Of all time sorry. So his high school games are televised when he's at a school called St. Vincent St. Mary's. Um, he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a high schooler with the title The Chosen One. He gets drafted by the Cavaliers. Uh, he leaves to go to Miami uh, to form a sort of, kind of super team. Very, sort of, very uh, acrid departure. He comes back in 2014 and he immediately sort of is the catalyst for this this run uh, of the uh, of, of, of the Cavaliers going to the finals. On the other side, um, you've got the Warriors who had basically built on this unreal team around a, a player called Steph Curry. Uh, he's a shooting guard, which means he's a slightly smaller lad who can throw the ball into the hoop from really far away. And he is the best ever at throwing the ball into the hoop from really far away. Is basically how I'd sum it up. A couple of other really good players, so people may have heard of, sort of like Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, um, and they are an. I mean, this this is where it comes in. They they're an absolute dynasty. They're unreal. So in 2013-14, they're a pretty good team. They're sort of middle of the pack. They're quite strong defensively. That's about it. Um, and then 
2014-15 season, they really sort of explode into life. So they get a new coach. They go 67 and 15, which is, you know, you see that kind of score. That's one of the better teams will get that. Highest points in the league. They're the most efficient team in the league. Uh, second best offensive racing. So it's the second most offensive, uh, second most efficient in the league. They're playing quickly. It's it's passing the ball around, passing move. Wonderful teamwork. And they absolutely do bits. Uh, they get to the finals. They beat Cleveland 4-2. Uh, 2015-16, they go 73 wins, nine losses in the regular season. So that's the best record of all time. Uh, it beats Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, who were the previous sort of holders from, I think, 91-92. Um, that's probably wrong. I should, I'll look that up later. Um, Again, even better. They're scoring even more points per game, 115. This is absolutely mad. Um, they sort of roll through the first couple of rounds of the playoffs uh, and they come back from 3-1 down against Oklahoma City. Uh, and then, they, yeah, they're in this sort of finals against Cleveland. Um, and this is where, I mean, then so Cleveland at no point are they, uh, are they sort of book odds on to win, uh, to win the, the, uh, the championship, even as they kind of progress their way through the series. Uh, the Warriors have used this, this kind of impending juggernaut. They've just put on one of the best performances of all time. Um, they end up going 3-1 up. So at this point, best of seven, one win from victory. So the next, yeah, any of the next sort of three games, they win it, they're done. You know, obituaries are written, that's done. Uh, cancel your seasons for the physical future. The Warriors got it all locked it's up. It's worth no team in the finals has ever come back from 3-1. No one ever? Yeah. No, no one ever. Not in the finals. In the finals, no team has ever come back from 3-1. Well, until game five, Cavaliers win by 15, 3 2. Games, uh, obviously, uh, the uh, Warriors are still uh, still favorites. Game six, they come back. So, 3 3 going into game seven. And the same points have been scored by both sides. So, it's, it's pretty even. So the, the, the winning margins are quite weird, actually. Um, but yeah, so the same total points scored through six games. It's the first time in NBA history this has happened game seven is incredibly close a lot of the other scores have been won in, you know the games have been won by 15 23 30 points um in game seven decided you've got 20 lead changes 11 ties throughout it the warriors I failed i remember to score. the yeah i think i remember the final score so it was i want to say it was 79 all Irving gets his three to take it to 82-79. That's when the block by James. James then gets fouled by Draymond, only scores one of his free throws to go 83-79 up, meaning it's more than a three, so they just need to not foul. And then they miss, they being gone so well, miss their final three possessions. I think it finished 83-79. I don't have that there, but that sounds like it might be right. The Warriors basically failed to score in the last four minutes, 39 seconds. Um, and obviously the block is uh, is very, very well known. Hang on, they didn't manage to score in, in four and a half minutes. Four and a half minutes. So 24 Would second shot clock. Just not have possession at well, I mean, they, they can't. No, they will have done, but just, you know, just, just very, very just defending. really cagey, really good defending. Uh, it was 93.89, not 83.79. I was 10 points off. Uh, we'll give you that. 
we'll give you that. The, I the, need a gap. The process was solid. Basically, Jeff, they'll have, they'll have had possessions inevitably because basketball you have the you have twenty four seconds to yeah. have a shot. Yeah. Um, but just there'll be turnovers uh, and they'll just be sort of there are a lot of missed. Uh, there are a lot of missed shots. I think I've watched that yeah. game back in not even highlights like the full the full fifty minutes or whatever it is. Um, and they're just they're, both teams are just missing everything. I mean, they um, in the final four minutes or whatever. Uh, Cleveland only scored four points. Uh, it just everyone, oh, really? Terrible ev- everyone forgot how to score, basically. <laughs> yeah, so it was 89 all with four minutes left, and it finished 93-89. I just basically lots of missed shots, missed layups, blocks. Good, let's say good defending. Let's put a positive spin on it. Good defending as well, obviously. Yeah. Um, so basically, the, the Cavaliers win by four. Uh, it's the first sort of major championship in Cleveland since they won the 1964 NFL championship game. So they've been a bit of a bit of a laughing stock in 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 pro sports in the states for for a while. Um, and so you might be thinking, Hon, how is this David versus Goliath? It's it's uh, they go both go to the finals four times. Uh, 2016-17 season, the Warriors win their first three game uh, uh, series in the playoff four nil, four nil. 4-0 before beating Cleveland 4-1 in the final, so quite easily handling them. And then 2017-18 when they play again, uh, when they get to the final, they beat Cleveland 4-0. So it is, it is they are handled outside of, what, this one particular series? If they allude, uh, it's 12-3 I believe. Um, so it's just this one sort of spectacular series where uh, you know the, the, the Cavaliers just somehow uh, LeBron puts the team on his back. They come through and, and manage to bring a bring yeah. a championship to yeah, the city of right. Cleveland. It is, it is hard to call it David versus Goliath when they have arguably the greatest pair of all time. And in NBA, as you say, single best player makes a big difference. But like LeBron had to play out of his skin, so you got the greatest player of all time, arguably playing at his best, arguably. Um, he over those um, seven games in the 2016 finals, and it's the first time this has ever happened. He led his team in points scored, rebounds collected, assists made, blocks, and steals. In all five of the significant statistics that are recorded in the NBA, he led his team in all five, which is the first time it's ever happened in the finals. Um, and yeah, Cle- um, the Warriors were just so good. 73-9, arguably the best team ever. There's discussions of them being the best team ever. So the Cavs would just had absolutely no hope. And I think, so, yeah, that's a good David versus Goliath thing. I mean, I quickly, around this, had a look at sort of the biggest betting mismatches in NBA history, in finals history. And the biggest mismatch was um, the Lakers, the Kobe Shaq Lakers against the Nets. Um, the Nets Jason Kidd. Yeah, yeah. The Nets were the that's the biggest underdog there's ever been um, sort of in recent memory where there's been betting odds given. Um, and the Lakers won 4-0. So it just yeah. shows that like when, when there's a big mismatch in the betting odds, the team wins. Like Vegas Vegas knows things. Yeah, over seven, things. over seven games, Vegas doesn't really get it wrong. But they were two to one favourites, the uh, Warriors going into this. So yeah. definitely, definitely so, David so. versus Glass. Was it was a heck of a series? There we are. That's it. Finally got some NBA in there. Yeah. Iguodala to the Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up the layup. Bye bye, James. 
you, you realize you do have to fade in the YouTube commentary. Yeah, I've watched that clip that way too much. Jeez. Correct. Yeah, and it all yeah. goes back to game four, where Draymond Green, Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors, calls LeBron the B word, gets uh, suspended for game five, and that's where it all comes tumbling down. And Clay Thompson in an interview said, "I guess LeBron just got his feelings hurt." And then LeBron went and scored 40-plus points in three consecutive games. So go suck eggs, Clay Thompson. More of a story. Don't hurt one of the best players of all time's feelings. Yeah, don't don't throw shade at a really good basketball player before you have to play them three more times. (laughs) But I'm never quite sure. Do you reckon, does that actually add, you know, this kind of idea of dressing room, sort of bulletin board material? Do you reckon that really adds that much? How much did LeBron want to win the finals, realistically? And did someone being a little bit mean to him materially change it? Quite just as much. I don't know. When it gives you, yeah, that, I, I reckon so. All it it's takes like that personal attack changes yeah, things for sure. Give you that tiny burst of energy at the right time. Maybe, maybe gives you that one step of pace when you need it. Oh, okay. definitely need that. Well, LeBron, <laughs> if you're out there, let us know. Yeah, give us a ring. What's the uh, what's the Twitter handle, Matt? At Sportingly AVG. I'll uh, I'll tweet LeBron. So yeah, about him. <laughs> get involved he's been very Good active stats. on twitter recently his uh, his son did a quite impressive dunk uh, in a high school game that everyone's been Bro- tweeting about Bronny. Bronny. Bronny is ridiculous Bronny is ridiculous Bronny. how old is he do you know because I think LeBron's uh, now seven, just, 16, just trying to wait just trying to wait so they can play together in the NBA Juppie. it's a lovely story this is this is basically one of the reasons he's still playing yeah yeah I had uh, Ronaldo and his son said the same thing actually at United in the championship. <laughs> hey, full circle. Nice. No, nice, uh, nice day versus Claire. Good to get some NBA, proper NBA and really delve into it. Yeah, man. Hopefully, and here's the, the first of many more. Indeed. Juppie, they're going, I hate NBA. I hate America. I hate American sport. Just, I've just never heard of LeBron James. Never heard oh, of that has to be a lie. That? that makes me so sad. That has to be. Co- 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 Kobe was better. Shaq was better. MJ was better. Do you even know what MJ stands for, girl? Shameful. Although I learned um, Shaq's surname recently, I thought just always thought it's some stupid reason they were just called. I thought it was called Big Shaq. Just oh my god! Big they always like Oprah or something. It's just Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> Big Shaq. One of the best nicknames of all times, the Big Aristotle. Yeah, he's so good for those nicknames. Um, nice. Good starting, guys. That's, I enjoyed that. Is that, yeah, that could be a quiz at some point, by the way, if, if for next week, if uh, if other institutions still aren't doing a, a weekly quiz. Famous nicknames? Identify the players? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah I'll, that'd be tough. I might create that one. But as it stands, Reese is 4-2 up in the uh, quiz-off. Message well, in your forfeits for Juppie when he loses. <laughs> it was exercise. I'm off the <laughs> Exercise. Building that John Daly bar. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't drink a beer during the episode.